Hey, good morning, everybody in here. Hello, good morning. Good morning, even in the back there. Good morning. Yeah, hi. <laughs> and everybody tuning in online, we're, we're glad you're here. We're uh, happy to have you participating. Um, this series that we're in, uh, Anything, uh, Ask God for Anything. It's his invitation for us to ask boldly and surrender completely. It's a series about prayer. That is not the original title. Uh, the original title was Trouble Me. And uh, it's a reference. The reason we didn't go with it is because it's a reference to a song that I was afraid not enough people would know. Does anybody know? But if you think, if you listen to music from the 90s, anybody know that song? Uh, it's it, okay, see, that's why we didn't use it. So, uh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's by a, a, a band called 10,000 Maniacs. I remember my dad's confusion when 10,000 Maniacs uh, played on um, Dave Letterman, and it was only like eight people. He was baffled. Um, but this, uh, but, the, but in the song, the, the reason I thought it would be um, a good theme is because in this song, the the, the narrator says, trouble me, disturb me with all your cares and your worries. Trouble me on the days when you feel spent. Why let your shoulders bend underneath this burden when my back is sturdy and strong? Trouble me. So it's just like this constant, this invitation, like rather than carrying everything that you're carrying and being afraid that you're going to bother me, it's an invitation. No. Bring that to me. I want to hear. I want to know. Uh, the most disturbing thing is your silence. So uh, we changed the title of this because I thought nobody's ever heard this song. And then literally later that day, I was in Home Depot and this song came on. And I thought, oh, maybe we'll do. No, it's us. Series is is about prayer, and um, if you know me, you know I like to uh, have a soundtrack that plays in my mind. And maybe if you weren't listening to Ten Thousand Maniacs in the '90s, uh, maybe you were listening to other music, like Unanswered Prayers. Anybody know who did that song? Yep, out here, that's shouted out throughout the, the room, Garth Brooks, yes, which is a song that's all about, uh, that, that's all about this, uh, the, the, the narrator in, in this song running into an old flame uh, while he's at a, uh, at, a, at a football game, probably like a high school football game, classic country music, a high school football game with his wife, and then sees an old girlfriend and realizes that he had prayed every day for, for, this, uh, for this girl to uh, be his forever lady. And God, did, uh, God said no. And he looked at his wife and was like, I'm so glad. <laughs> like, I'm so, uh, thank God for unanswered prayers. And then there's uh, another song that's uh, more recent that's from this century. 
called Blessings by Laura Story, where she says, uh, we pray for blessings, we pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep, we pray for healing, for prosperity, we pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. This all seems real accurate. All the while, you hear each spoken need, yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. And then she goes into, what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? Uh, what if trials in this life are your mercies in disguise? And you can you know, you know, look up those songs. I, uh, I bring them up, though, because they're, they're actually they're good illustrations of, uh, of, of prayer. There are messages about prayer that go on around us, if, if we were to just think about it, and some of those messages are about unanswered prayer. So that's our topic for today, and before I dive into that, um, I, I want to remind you, small groups start the week of January 28th. So towards the end of the month, small groups are starting up. Those are um, groups where people meet in, in homes, have conversations uh, about how are we applying these principles that God is teaching us? How are we applying them in our lives? And what questions do we have? What are we wrestling with that uh, we can bounce off of other people and kind of take our uh, our, our walk with God to the next level. If that's something you're interested in, you can make a note in the chat and, uh, and, and Rachel will help connect to you. If you're in this room, there are communication cards at the tables that you can fill out and just put in the, uh, in the black box by the door or just pull Rachel aside and let her know that's something you're interested in. Uh, we do have a team leaving for Kenya God willing, it's what we're praying for on uh, on Wednesday, and I see Jacqueline has the, the necklace that she got from Alice, who's someone that many of us were praying for this week because uh, Alice was featured in one of the days of our uh, our prayer guide. If you haven't picked one of these up yet, please do that. They're at this table over here by the black box, or you can find them online on our website at newdaywi.com, and I know you're excited to uh, reunite with Alice. You guys formed quite a friendship. Um, in fact, if you look in the prayer guide, uh, whether online or uh, in, in, in the hard copy, the picture we have of Alice, she is wearing a necklace, and it is the necklace that she gave to Jacqueline uh, when, when Jacqueline was leaving uh, Alice's home village. So, like, th there's some cool relationships that are being formed as we connect with the Samburu and Rendile tribes in northern Kenya with the goal of encouraging those people who are spreading the gospel. So we're excited about that. Grab one of those prayer guides so that you can be praying for us along the way. Um, let's pray right now as we take a closer look at God's invitation for us to ask for anything. God, as we, as we are preparing, as we have been raising money and, and, uh, and, and praying for northern Kenya, uh, we continue to pray that the, the road between here and there uh, 
would be laid out by you, that we'd be following in your footsteps, following your lead every step of the way. We pray for uh, those leaders and we pray for the Samburu and Rendile people where the gospel is spreading and we pray that as, uh, as, as we have a chance to learn how that's happening there in such miraculous ways that you would also teach us so that here in our backyard we would learn and practice the, the habits of multiplying disciples that we would see hope and love spread in Marathon County and for you to be glorified and honored in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to take a look at some of the guidelines about prayer because as we talk about praying and, and getting an answer from God, yes, we can ask for anything. There are also some guidelines for us to be aware of that are built into God's invitation to ask for anything. So we're kind of going back to the first week where I laid out a bunch of verses. We're going to take a closer look at one of those passages in particular to see some of those guidelines to kind of check ourselves. What are we praying? How are we praying? Is it according to the instructions of Jesus? John 14, 13 through 14, Jesus says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So one of the things that we need to check is, as we pray, are our prayers consistent with the ministry and the mission of Jesus? Because that's really what it means when we say to pray in the name of Jesus. It's more than just stamping his name on our prayers as if our prayers are a spell or incantation. It means that we're operating as agents of Jesus. I am coming to you, Father, in the name of Jesus according to his will and his way. That's what a disciple does. So on his earthly ministry, Jesus sent his disciples from town to town, healing sicknesses and casting out demons in his name, which means doing his work his way. So when you pray, take a moment to reflect on where your desire that you're praying about fits into the mission and the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus tells us that he will answer our prayers for the purpose of bringing glory to the Father. So there are these two really important words in this passage, so that. Some of you have uh, heard me teach about praying before, and you remember these words, and I know that because sometimes when I hear some of you pray out loud, I hear an emphasis on those two words, so that. Because Jesus invites us to ask for him to do things, that are an extension of his mission, his ministry, with the result being glory going to God the Father. So why are we praying for what we're praying for? Why do we pray for a sick relative to be healed? Why do we pray for safe travel? Why do we pray for a promotion at work? Try including the words, so that. 
in every prayer and everything that you ask God for and see what that does. Sometimes I find myself praying for things so that I will be more comfortable or life will be easier or I won't have to know that people who I love are suffering. And those are fine things to pray about because they're real desires. We want to be real with God. The prayer is more consistent with the instructions and promises of Jesus when I take time to reflect and consider how they tie into the mission of Jesus and the glory of God. It just takes a moment to think about, wow, I really want this promotion, or I really want this person to not suffer. Why? Because it doesn't honor you, God, when sickness wins. Because were there to be a miraculous healing in this situation, I would be the first one and I would lead others in thanking you and multiplying praises for what you've done. John 15, 16 kind of extends this idea. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. As we're agents of Jesus doing his will in his way, the Father will provide what we ask for. That's the theme when we see instructions in Scripture that tell us to ask for anything. It's a continuation of asking boldly and surrendering completely. So what about when we think we are asking for something that is consistent with the mission and the ministry of Jesus and that we are sure that we would bring glory to the Father and he says no. Uh, Jacqueline just shared in our Tuesday prayer call. It happens every Tuesday, 4.30. It'll be happening this Tuesday, and a real easy way to connect to it is on the back of the prayer guide or on the last page if you're using the online version. Um, there is a, uh, there's a QR code, and, a, uh, and, and if you're online, there's a link. So um, every, uh, every Tuesday, 6 to 6.30, we have people from New Day who are gathering online uh, in, a, in a video chat and, and praying. She shared with us uh, about a person that some of us have been praying for who had what seems like a really miraculous um, diagnosis of being cancer-free after being diagnosed with cancer. Am I getting that correctly? So there's... There's joy in their celebration. We thank God for it. Now, all of us have probably been in situations where we hear about a diagnosis. We pray for someone continuously, only to watch them get worse and worse. Um, I've been next to someone as they're dying with family all around and prayed with all the faith that I could muster that 
the God who has done miracles in the past would do a miracle in this room with this family gathered around so that the testimony of his greatness would go out from there. I've stood with my wife praying for uh, uh, someone's uh, baby in an incubator in a hospital who'd been deprived of oxygen and uh, tears were running down her face and we were begging God to restore this baby's mind and body. I've watched friends die. I watched that baby grow into a child who can't walk or communicate, who needs assistance with every aspect of life. And I've had to face question from people who can't have children or whose child has died or whose family member remains enslaved to addiction no matter how much and how long they pray. Those prayers seem consistent with the will and the way of Jesus, and they seem like they bring glory to the Father. So how do I make sense of this? Often I don't. When you're in the midst of someone whose pain is so raw, that is not the time and the place to make sense. It doesn't make sense. That is a time to feel that pain. Right now, here, this is a good time to make sense so that when you're in that situation, rather than going into a tailspin, you can go through the pain, feel the hurt, and yet hold on to the truth about who you are, who God is, and what your relationship is to each other. So we're going to look at a passage that immediately follows Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer. It's a continuation of Jesus' response to someone asking him how they should pray. He uses illustrations that are instructive about prayer, and they help us understand more about who God is and our relationship with him. So Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 5, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. Now, we might think of our houses in this kind of situation. I want us to imagine for a moment uh, a, a, a house in, in Palestine where Jesus is telling this story. It's more likely a house that uh, doesn't have a lot of compartments, a lot of bedrooms. It's more likely there's a family that is all kind of huddled together in one part of the house that's closest to the fire. And if this guy were to get up, he'd have to kind of walk over his kids and then everybody's up. So he says, we're, we're done for the night. Go away. 
But I tell you this, verse 8, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. I love this. It's, he, Jesus is basically saying, if you keep knocking, it'll get to the point where his whole family's up anyway. Like, it's not going to be as big a deal. Now, if we just took this story alone, we might get the impression that in this parable that God is the resistant neighbor in the story, and he doesn't want us to bother him, but if we just bother him long enough, uh, but that's not the case, uh, as, as we see when we continue. A, a parable is a story that just goes alongside something. Um, I'll get back to that in a moment. Verse 9, and so I tell you, keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So the point in that first story isn't to teach us that God is stingy. It is to teach us that we should not give up too soon. If a stingy neighbor is moved by persistence, how much more will a loving father be moved? That father comparison is how Jesus drives his teaching home in verse 11. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The implication here is that the Holy Spirit, God living within us now and into eternal life, is greater than any gift we could ask or hope for, so other gifts are easy for him. This passage teaches us a lot about God. It teaches us some things about people, too. Um, This translation says, so if you sinful people, the other translations say, you people who are evil, and Jesus just takes that as a given. Well, I mean, of course, yeah, because people are, are, are sinful. People are evil. Uh, our hearts are corrupt. That's something we need to realize when we interact with a holy God. So it teaches us some things about us. It also teaches us a lot about God, what God is not. God is not some impersonal vending machine where as long as we give the correct input, then what we want comes out. He's not a a cruel higher power that enjoys watching weak human beings suffer. And some of these, uh, these beliefs about God are some of the ideologies that people had in different religions at that time. So Jesus is describing a God who's different from the pagan gods that a lot of people were useful, used to at that time. 
God is not some tricky genie who grants our wishes while at the same time inserting some kind of barb, some sort of curse, uh, like the, the Twilight Zone where the guy wishes that there wouldn't be any more people so he wouldn't be interrupted with all his reading. And then that happens and his glasses break. So he has forever with an unlimited supply of books, but can't read them. There are stories like that about uh, uh, God-like characters interacting with people in tricky ways. God's not like that. And he's not a weak God who's unable to answer prayers. He's not a God who set the world in motion and then stood back uninvolved. God is the creator of the universe who sets things in motion and continues to be involved in his creation. God is our Father in heaven who loves us dearly. God is the king over everything who invites us to ask for anything we want. And God is a wise provider who knows better than us the difference between a bad gift and a good gift. So what does this have to do with unanswered prayer? Well, what parent gives their kid everything they ask for? A bad one. (laughs) Why is it unhealthy to give a kid everything they ask for? Well, one reason is Parents know better than kids. Grayson, how are you doing, buddy? You doing all right? What are you drinking? That's okay. You can whisper it to mom. She can tell me. Hot chocolate. Grayson, you came in here and you asked for hot chocolate, right? And mom and dad said, yes. They want to give you good gifts. They want to give you good gifts. They didn't trick you and put something awful like fruit juice in there. And if Grayson had come in and said, I would like to take this uh, cup of rusty nails, they would say no, no matter how much he wanted that. Sometimes when a kid doesn't get what they ask for, they accuse their parent of being unloving as if the parent's goal is to keep them unhappy or to to hold them down, to keep them from being themselves. And what's more likely is that the parent has a clearer picture of what a good future for that child looks like and a more accurate idea of what it's going to take to get there. And you might be thinking, isn't that a little insulting and demeaning to compare me to a child? Some would think so. And they are going to have a hard time coming under God's authority. This is how Jesus says this, Mark chapter 10, verse 15. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child, will never enter it. 
So if you're feeling uppity about having an authority over you who may know better for you than you know for yourself, that is going to become a barrier between you and that kingdom of God, that dome under which he rules, his protection, his nurturing, his provision. Now, I'm not saying that you asking for a family member not to die from some sickness is exactly the same as a kid begging for a toy at Walmart. I'm agreeing with Jesus that God is a good father to me. And my father in heaven will sometimes answer my prayer with a response that is essentially no or not now. He's not answering that way out of cruelty, indifference, or weakness. He's answering that way out of wisdom and love. I may not understand it. It may hurt for a long time. And there may be a time when I can clearly see why he answered the way he did. It happened that way for Garth Brooks. There may not. We need to each decide before that point, right now, who God is in our lives and who we are in his story. There's more to say on this subject. This is just a start. In his book, uh, Praying Life, uh, Paul Miller has a, a section about this. He does a, a great job of outlining some of our possible reactions when God doesn't seem to be answering our prayers. And he says that people do whatever they can to fill the gap between hope up here and reality down here. He says that sometimes we'll be in denial, which is pretending that reality isn't down here, that uh, it's actually already consistent with our hope, even when it's not. It's, uh, it's saying, well, no, I'm not actually sick. Even though I have all the symptoms, I'm not actually sick and just being in denial. Or another response we can have is despair. That's taking our hope and deflating it in order to eliminate that gap and just saying, well, I, I guess God isn't a good God and doesn't have good things, and I should just get used to living with reality and not have hope. Or we can respond with determination, doing everything within our power to pull reality up towards that preferred condition that we're hoping for. Uh, we see this example in, in Scripture where God promises that Abraham and Sarah will have offspring that's uh, more than the, the stars in the sky, and yet they, they are not having a single child. They're barren. 
So they're given this hope, and yet the reality is they're getting older and older, and so they try different things to try to make uh, God's promise come true by their own power. Well, uh, Abraham, maybe you should um, have a child with my concubine, and that will be the offspring. And, uh, and, and, and God says, that isn't it. That's not. It's not by your strength and determination. When we look through the Bible, the biblical place between reality and hope often is the desert. So we can choose denial or despair or determination. Often what God wants to do is take us through the desert. There's a literal desert. Jesus spent 40 days fasting and praying in the desert before beginning his ministry. The Israelites spent 40 years wandering the desert before reaching the promised land. And there are times in our lives where there's a a metaphorical desert where God strips away our comfort. He brings us to a point where we confront the illusion that we are in control. None of us wants to be in the desert, and yet these metaphorical desert times are where we grow to know and trust God more because he is all we have left. In the desert, we learn prayers of lamentation. Prayers like, how long, O Lord, will you allow this to continue? Prayers like, please have mercy on me. Give me some relief. We learn to pray like Jesus, to ask boldly, take this cup of suffering from me, and to surrender completely. And yet, not my will, but yours be done. So, are you living and praying as a disciple of Jesus, his agent, striving to do his will in his way, asking for heavenly assistance in the name of Jesus? Are you considering God's glory in your prayers? Considering what you're asking for and how that fits into so that the Father in heaven will be glorified. Do you believe that God is a good Father whose provisions aren't always what we ask for? They are always what we need. Prayer is not a magic formula or incantation. It's communication in a loving relationship. And sometimes, the most loving response from God is to say no. So let's practice that pattern that we're learning, the pattern of discipleship. We sometimes use the word rad. We go back to the days of Garth Brooks and 10,000 Maniacs. Um, But what that means, R-A-D, reflection, application, and discussion, reflecting on what is God teaching you 
today? What is standing out to you from what you heard? An application. What are you going to do about it? And then discussion. Who are you going to tell? So after a few minutes of quiet reflection, we're going to reconnect for discussion. So take this time and reflect on and write down, God, what are you teaching me? And what do you want me to do about it? And then we'll come back together and share our answers. Maybe you're finding yourself in a desert right now or just emerging. Uh, these, you know, these last four years have been challenging in a lot of ways. A lot of changes have happened. So uh, to take an inventory and to consider if God had you in a desert recently, how has he changed you? How has he grown you through that time? That's, uh, as I reflected, that's part of what I needed to, uh, need to consider and to uh, kind of take an inventory. How am I different from the I that I was 
10 years ago. Um, and to celebrate what God has done even through difficult times. So maybe that's you, or maybe you have uh, a different application, a different I will. Maybe uh, you're going to dig deeper into prayer. Maybe you haven't jumped on to 21 days of fasting and, uh, and, and, and you're going to do that. We're going to take a couple of minutes here to have that discussion before we go out our, our separate ways. And, uh, and next week, uh, there's going to be another message about prayer that I'm excited about, even though I'm not going to be here. Uh, we're going to be in Kenya, and, and, and I really expect to see answers to your prayers, to experience comfort and joy that goes beyond the circumstances that we're in, that, that are connected to your prayers to a God who loves us. So thank you for that. If you're in the chat, please share. What's God teaching you? What are you willing to do about it? We're going to do that around tables here, and, uh, and we'll catch up uh, on Facebook. Uh, when, when I come back, just follow the journey. I know God's going to do awesome things, so go in peace.